You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. How we doing this morning, church? We doing good? Can we give it up for that incredible worship team? Can we tell them thank you? They were singing so good, made you think you could sing, didn't it, you know? Um, no, I feel so honored uh, just to be back. And just to have time with you, like they were saying a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I came in September. And I won't lie, I go to uh, doing this for a living. I go and I travel. And there's a lot of churches I go and I preach at and I enjoy it. But then there's other churches that I go and I'm like, you know what? I want to bring my wife to this church. This church is that great. I can trust my wife. There's some crazy churches out there, y'all. And y'all ain't one of them. You're crazy in a good way, you know, in the faith way. Some of them just, just plain crazy. And, and so I felt so cool this, this time to be here, not to be alone. I never travel alone, but just want to honor my incredible wife there, Victoria Rowland. Miss Sugar. Mrs. Sugar, look at you. That's what I'm going to call you. And, uh, and I always want to give honor to where honor's due, and I think you're so, I don't think, I know you are so blessed with the leadership that you have here. So can we stand up and can we honor pastors, Pastor Dave, Pastor Macy, Pastor Luke, Pastor Megan? We got the founding pastors in the room, Pastor Mike, Pastor D. Can we say we love them? And might I say, ma'am, you look amazing. You look exquisite with those pearls. You just look, uh, Victoria, get your pearl game up. Get your pearl game up. You guys can take a seat. So privileged just to be here. As they were saying before, I am from Free Chapel. I hail from Gainesville, Georgia, not Florida, um, but I do hear that Gainesville, Florida is nice. I've never been, never plan on going, but if you're ever in Gainesville, Georgia, and you want to come hang out with us, my pastor is Pastor Jensen Franklin at Free Chapel, and I would love to host you. And honestly, if you're also considering going to Ford, let me just say this for anybody in the room. My life has gotten transformed to youth by youth conferences and youth camps. I would not be standing up here today if it wasn't for someone sponsoring me. My mom did not have the money to take me to camp or take me to conference. In fact, I remember it was $90. And when I was younger, $90, I mean, still $90 is a lot of money. You want to give me $90, I'll take it in the name of Jesus. But I remember being a kid and I wanted to sign up for this camp. And I felt like God wanted me to be at this camp. I walk up and I find out how, how much it was. And when I found out how much it was, I just in my head made a decision. I'm not even going to ask my mom for that. Because if you grow up not having a lot, you learn not to ask for a lot. You just learn. You figure it out. You don't need what the other kids need. You don't want to put added disappointment to your parents. And I remember there's this lady named Ginger. I would not be standing on this platform if it wasn't for Ginger. Ginger was a Ginger. And her son, I met him in the kids' ministry. I would serve in the kids' ministry, and his name was Josh. And I don't even know why I'm telling the story, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell the story, so I'll tell the story. And Josh was turning eight years old during the same time as camp. So even though I wasn't going to camp, it was fine, because I'll be at Josh's birthday. Josh didn't grow up with his father. He viewed me as an older brother, even though I was only 12. But to him, you know, I was a grown man, and I lied to him. Every week I saw him at church, I said, bro, I bought a car this week. I got a house, dude. I got wives for days, bro, okay? And I remember him telling me, can you come to my birthday party? And I saw that his birthday party was on the same day as camp. And so in my head, I just decided, I'm not going to go to camp. I'm going to go to Josh's birthday. Unbeknownst to me, his mother paid for me to go to camp. My mom comes into the room one day, and she says, hey, son, you got paid to go to camp. And I said, mom, totally fine. Whoever paid, just tell him thank you, but I don't want to go. And she's like, why? I was like, I don't want to miss Josh's birthday, not knowing that it was Ginger's mother that paid for me. So my mom, she leaves her room. 
she goes and she calls Mr. Ginger, and she's like, Miss, she's like, my mom didn't call her Miss Ginger. She's like, Ginger, he doesn't want to go to camp. She's like, what's wrong with him? She's like, your son is what's wrong with him. He doesn't want to miss your son's birthday. And Ginger says, okay, wait. So she goes into the room, and she says, Josh, you know Mr. Ty? You know Mr. Ty? He's kind of like buff, like MT, you know? Um, just joking. <laughs> but God, do it. If you did it for that black man, do it for me in the name of Jesus. Just grab it, you know? And she's like, you know, Mr. Ty, he's like, yeah. He's like, well, we really think he should go to this camp, but he can't go to this camp because it's your birthday. And Josh, being seven years old, tells his mom without missing a beat. He said, Mom, can I move my birthday party so he can go to camp? And they moved his birthday party. I went to camp. It was at that camp that a minister called me out on the last night of the camp. And he looked at me and he said, when you get older, you will go around the world preaching the gospel. You will tell people about Jesus and God is going to use you in a marvelous way. That happened not because my mom paid, happened because someone sponsored. So if you're in this room, and, and I'm not saying that we need help filling forward. Every year it gets filled by the glory of God. But if you want to be a part of somebody's life change, if you don't have a kid, that's fine. Sponsor another kid. And I promise you, when you get to heaven and we kind of see how this all plays out, you'll be surprised whose life you made a big impact on. And so if you want to come to Ford, come hang out. I told the last service, I'll be your black cousin. You just tell everybody we're related. They won't doubt it. I'll just tell them white on my mama's side. It's fine. And so we'll just figure it out. Um, but who's excited for the word today? Are you excited? Did you come with expectation? <clears throat> I'm excited to share. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses. And if I could have them on the screen. And then as I read them. Just go past them and we'll just go from there. So, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and the wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was bearing, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside of the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great before the Lord, but he not must drink wine. That's a word for somebody in this room. I don't know who that is, but stop drinking wine on Sunday morning. I'm just joking. <laughs> and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the heart of, ch of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before them in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their father to their children. And the disobedient of the widow of the just, wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people restored. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. And he just puts his wife out there. He says, and my wife is advanced in years. It's like, you're old, but she's advanced. What does that even mean? You know? And the angel of the Lord said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you to bring this good news. And then the angel said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words will be fulfilled in their time. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he'd seen a vision in the temple and he was kept making signs to them and remained mute. And there he came out and remained mute. What was the next verse? And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when his time of service ended, he went home. And last verse, I believe. After these days, wife, 
his wife Elizabeth conceived for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach from my people. I want to preach a simple message entitled, He is Still Working. He is still working. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. And Heavenly Father, I just pray that you use me over these next few moments to speak to your people. God, that as you have anointed me to speak it, that you would anoint them to receive it. God, I pray an increase of their faith, an increase of expectation, even right now as I pray, that they will believe that there's a word in the house just for them. God, I pray right now that you continue to do the miracles in this church. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, were you the one that was singing uh, Jacob about Jacob? You were so good at singing. I was like, wow, look at this black white man up there just singing to the Lord. Won't he do it? Can we give it up for him? Man, there you go. There you go. Um, I, I entitled this sermon, He is Still Working, for two reasons. Number one, reason number one being the most important, my wife told me to title the sermon this way. So I, there was another title. She didn't like it, so we didn't go, for it. We'll go with it. So I'm doing He Still Working. But the second reason that I chose that title is that because I believe there's people in this room that believe he stopped working. I think there's people that as I'm preaching, you're looking at circumstances and situations of your life, whether that is financial, whether that's with your family, whether that's with your friends, whether that's with your sanity, whether that's with your mind. We all have different pain points, different circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in. And if we're not careful, we will subscribe to the idea that just like God can start a new thing, we think that he will stop a new thing. And sometimes after you've been believing for a long time, hoping for a long time, thinking that God is going to do said thing, you remove yourself from praying, and then you just push through even though the prayer didn't come true. I know a lot of Christians that are in this room, you ain't praying, you pushing. You're pushing through. You're pushing through in your mentality. You're pushing through and sewing up to church. And sometimes that is life. Sometimes life is a push. Sometimes you just have to go out there and you have to step in faith, but sometimes it's hard when you know God spoke something to you. You know, it's December 3rd. We got about four more weeks to the end of the year, and maybe you're just like me. I remember the beginning of the year, the Lord spoke to me about a few specific things. Have you ever had God give you faith for something that you didn't even ask for? You're like, God, I don't, I'm actually really good in this area of my life. I'm fine. And then the faith begins to erupt inside of you. You hear a message, you read a book, or you just see something, and God begins to tell you things that you weren't even considering, give you faith for things that you didn't even, weren't even hoping for. And it gets hard when you get excited about faith only to be let down with the reality that it's not coming true. You remember when you stood up and you told everyone, this year is going to be my year, my man is coming. And now you're just sitting at church like, where are you at, Lord? <laughs> this year, you looked at your finances and you said, this year, I'm not going to be like this at the end of the year. And you walk into church and you check your account. And you're like, how did I still stay in the place that I told myself I was going to get out of? It is hard when you are believing for something in your life and you feel like, God, stop believing for it. And just like many people, you do what you're supposed to do. You just move on and you try yourself your best to forget. This is the story of Zechariah. If you first read the story of Zechariah, you probably won't see that depth. You probably won't see exactly what I'm saying, but I think if you continue to listen to the sermon, maybe you will see you in Zechariah. 
See, Zechariah was a priest. He was anointed by God to do a very specific thing. When I was younger, I didn't want to be a musician. I didn't want to be an actor. I didn't want to be into sports. I, I really wanted to play for, uh, Halo full-time, but my mom said that couldn't happen, so I was like, it's all good. Now I want to play Fortnite full-time. And I just want you to know, there's a new map, but I'm here with you guys, okay? <laughs> I'm here with you guys. A lot of stuff going on in the video game world, but I decided to show up this morning and preach the word of God, and in the back of my head, all I'm thinking about is the new map, okay? <laughs> but when I was younger, all I wanted to do was be a preacher. The pastor showed up at camp, told me that's what you're going to do. I didn't argue with him. It felt right to me. It felt, if he felt good to say it, I agreed with it. When I grow up, I'm going to be a preacher. And I had this misconception about preachers. Misconception number one, preachers don't go through pain. Pastors do holy work, and because they do holy work, they live happy lives. That was the belief I had. And then I read this verse the other day in Leviticus chapter 10 about a man of God named Aaron who was serving in the house of God, being the temple of the Lord, and he was serving alongside of his sons. And in verse 1, the Bible says of chapter 10 of Leviticus that his sons did an unauthorized burning of incense, which when you read, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it was a big enough for God to kill his children because God said, there's a way to do things in my house. And when you don't do things according to my house, things will happen to your house. And he, Aaron, loses his children in verse 1. <clears throat> the Bible gives him clarity and gives him a word in verse 3. And then at the end of verse 4, the Bible says, and Aaron kept his peace. If you want to know what it's like to be in ministry, it is like seeing hell happen in your life, but you still got to keep your peace. And you don't have to be in ministry full time to experience this. You can just be a believer, a mom, a dad, a businessman, and sometimes things go haywire. And the only thing you can do is... I'm going to keep my peace. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 that he keeps this mind focused on peace, who's steadfast on the Lord. When your mind is on God, he will give you peace. And sometimes you need your mind on God, even though you're confused about God. Sometimes you need God's help just staying focused on him, even though you're confused about the thing that God allowed to take place in your life. And Zechariah went through pain. One of the other misconceptions that I had growing up in ministry is that as a pastor, I would be full of faith. Like doubt, preachers don't know doubt. And now I'm a preacher, and I be doubting. <laughs> I hear God say something to me, and I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, Tom, I'm going to use you to do this. I was like, why me? Why not them? And I start hearing God say things, and sometimes, I know this sounds crazy as a guy that travels around full-time preaching the gospel, but even sometimes for me, the Bible becomes a book that I read and study religiously, but sometimes I can forget its promises practically. Sometimes I can get so used to grabbing the Bible, I got to read this many chapters a certain time. I, I, try to meet a certain, uh, I try to read a certain amount of chapters every day, and sometimes I'll just go to the Bible to reading, forgetting that the Bible is not a book just to be read. The Bible is a book to increase your faith from. When you read the Bible, it is the only book that reads you. Go ahead and read anything you want, but when you read the Word of God, there's promises on that book. There's promises on this book. If you don't know what to do, go to Proverbs. One Proverbs a day keeps the stupid away. That's what I heard. <laughs> just one proverb. That's all you need. And You don't need to read the whole chapter. Just read one verse. One verse will do you right. And sometimes it gets hard, even as a believer, to really access the things that come with your belief, being faith. And Zechariah is a picture of it. As I said, he's a priest. One of the um, qualifications of being the priest and one of the requirements would be that you would have the first five books of the Bible memorized. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I have the first five books memorized, but I don't memorize the text within the books, but I know the first five. But if you were a priest, you had to know all that. People say Genesis 37, you had to, you had to quote it immediately. 
because you knew the word of God. So if you're a priest like Zechariah, you know Genesis. Well, in Genesis, there's a story about this guy named Abram who becomes Abraham. Abraham is a little bit older. He has a wife who's advanced in years. We don't know what that means, but she's advanced in years. And an angel shows up to Abraham first, Sarah second, and telling them both the same thing. You will have a son. How can this be? I'm too old. It doesn't matter how old you are. God said what he said. Well, how can this be? This doesn't make sense. It doesn't need to make sense. God said what he said. Sometimes we're looking at God to explain it to us, but God didn't explain it to you. He told you. When you find yourself trying to explain the promises of God, you're going to seem foolish because all he did when he told you is he gave you a dream. And so when you try to explain to people that don't have your faith, you will sound confusing yourself. You will sound crazy yourself. But if you know faith and you know God and you speak faith, you can begin to access the promises of God. Zachariah sees an angel. Now, here's the craziest part about this whole story. Now we live in a time and age where because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we can come into church. Jesus can show up anywhere in your life. But it wasn't always like this. You had to be a certain type of person. You had to be set apart. And on one time of the year, a man of God would go into the room. But during the time of Jesus, only one priest could go into the room a year. And to be chosen, they would cho- God would choose between 20,000 different priests. But for some apparent reason, the one whose lot it fell on that day was Zechariah. Of all the other priests that God could have did this to, for all the kind of people that God could have chose, he could have chose anybody else, but he chose Zechariah. Let me say this. God chose you. He chose you. Yes, he could have chose your neighbor, but he says, no, I'm choosing you. Yes, I could have did it through dad, but I want to do it through you. Yes, I know it started in mom, but now I'm going to do it through you. God chose you. And this would be a special time for Zechariah to go into the Holy of Holies, to burn the incense of the Lord, representing prayer amongst the people, and to go in and to have that moment. Zechariah would be expecting something. I wonder what happens when I walk into the temple. He walks into this temple, and he's just burning the incense, doing his thing. I don't know what that would look like, but maybe he's just doing burning this and burning this. And unbeknownst to him, there's an angel in the room. And he just, he's like, man, this is so This is, what is that? And then you hear someone say, it is I, Gabriel. Who Gabriel? I don't know Gabriel. I'm an angel of the Lord. He was like, well, nice to meet you, angel. And the angel of the Lord comes with a message to you, Zachariah. And here is the message. You shall have a son. Now, you would think as a man who's a priest, as a man who's in the Holy of Holies talking to an angel, you would think that you would believe what the angel said. But even though it was an angel, and even though you're in the Holy of Holies, and even though you're a priest, the doubt in your heart is still getting through to you more than the scriptures in your head. And some of us, if we're honest, we act like Zachariah. God sends a word. God makes it clear. And you know it's God. And instead of giving God an open, transparent God at your will, you know what you give God? God, how can this happen? Some of us don't really hear God because we're too busy. Instead of saying, yes, Lord, we ask him too many questions. And Zachariah is asking questions, and God gets so mad. And he's like, you know what, Zachariah, you know what I'm going to do? You don't get to talk until the baby comes. For nine months, just silent. He goes into the temple like this. Hey, guys, I'll see you all soon. I'm going to go into the temple. 
sees the angel. Angel speaks to him. The angel tells him what he's believing, what God is going to do in his life. And then he tells the angel how it can't happen. So then the angel says, okay, you want to act like that? You, you want to tell God what he can't do? You little Zachariah, you're going to tell me an angel what God can't do? Well, I'm going to show you what he can do because I'm about to shut you up. And so he goes into the temple talking. And then when he comes out, everyone probably has questions for him. Zachariah, how was it? What was it like in there? And he was like, Zachariah, talk. They're like, what's going on? I don't know. And they're looking at him, and he probably goes over to his wife and looks at his wife, who's advanced in years, and he's like. And, she, and she's like, what are you talking about, baby? like, what is he saying? You, did y'all catch it? You're going to push a baby out. You caught it. You caught it. You caught it. Not everyone. We on the same track. She gets it. And he's quiet and God is moving. He's silent and God is moving. Sometimes God has to silence you while he sets up the thing for you. Sometimes God will allow you to go through a circumstance that seems like nothing's going to work out because he wants you to be quiet while he does it. Someone walked into this church this morning and you're so upset with your children. Just watch and wait and let God do it. Someone in this room, you came to church, you're like, my husband, I I pray that God shuts him up like he shut up Zachariah. (laughs) That's wrong, Victoria. You shouldn't have that. (laughs) I'm a preacher, girl. But sometimes, instead of complaining about your marriage, what if you just got quiet and silently began to hope for God to do what only he could do? Sometimes God will silence you while he sets up the miracle for you. And sometimes he does it this way so you can't touch it. Some of you think that if you were to touch the thing, you're ready for the thing. No, you'll ruin the thing. So he has to keep you from it, keep you silent, keep you quiet. So while God does what he can do, you can give him glory because that's the only thing God deserves. So Zachariah has to be silent while seeing his wife experience the greatest miracle that she was believing for. Now, I know it's December. I should talk about Mary and having her baby. I'll get to that. But the thing about Mary is that she was a teenager. It was a miracle how she got pregnant. It was a miracle that she was pregnant. Does that make sense? The fact that she sold a story that was a true story. Girl, how'd you get pregnant? God did it. Well, show us what God looked like, girl. Where are you at? Where are you at? You know? (laughs) But it was truly the Lord. That's the miracle for Mary. The fact that without sex, God still, in a supernatural way, gave her a baby. But the miracle with Elizabeth is a miracle worthy of talking about. And sometimes because of miracles in other people's lives, we miss out on the miracles in our life. And there's a miracle in the beginning of Luke that has nothing to do with Mary and Jesus because there's still something that God wants to do with Elizabeth. I remember when I was younger, I heard a preacher say this before. He said he was going around, he was preaching this whole sermon. I wasn't really paying attention, but at the end of the service, he started laying his hands on people. And it was crazy. I mean, I was like 13 or 14 years old. Everyone he laid hands on, they fell out in the power. And I was like, I don't know what that is. I want to go fall on the floor. I was feeling kind of tired during church. I was like, I think they're all taking naps right now. (laughs) 
And I remember he would lay hands on people. They would just fall out, just, ah, take me, Holy Ghost, you know, see wigs fall out and all the whole thing, you know. But I remember this one specific lady, he looked over at her and he said, God is going to answer forgotten prayers. And when he said that, something in me, even as a teenager, was like, I didn't know God could do that. I thought I needed to remind him so he can remember the promises for my life. I didn't know that even though I forgot, he doesn't. I didn't know that even though I stopped praying it, he's still doing it. I didn't know that even when I gave up on it, he's still been setting it up. When the Bible shows up to Zechariah and says, and the angel says, you're going to have a kid. Your answer has been prayed. Your, answer is, your prayer has been answered. He tells the angel, I'm, I haven't been praying for something. You know why? Because I think Zechariah stopped praying that prayer a long time ago. I think around 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, he came to terms with the decision like, I know I prayed this for years, but God didn't answer it, so I'm going to stop praying it. And it's just like God to show up and say, hey, I'm answering your prayer. What prayer? The one about the baby. Why, why you got to wait so long? Because if I would have did it earlier, I wouldn't have got the glory. Why'd you wait so long? Because if I would have did it at your times table, you would have grabbed the baby and stopped talking to me. Why'd you wait so long? Because I had to get you to the end of yourself where you were more clinging to me, the promise maker, than the promise itself. That's why I waited a little bit longer for you, Zachariah. I had to do something in you before I could do something for you. And we see Zachariah experiencing this silently. The title that my wife didn't like was Silent Nights. Because I think, as a Christian, you will have to endure silent nights. The nights where you're praying and you're like, God, look at my babies. God, look at my account. They were talking about giving God. I gave. And I'm still waiting for my breakthrough. God, serve. I've been serving the house of God, but I'm still waiting for my breakthrough. But sometimes it's in the silence of God that we can hear him the clearest. Because in the silence, all you can hear is God. You may not hear clarity, but you know he's there. And Zechariah had to have a silent posture while God was working it out supernaturally. I feel led to say this. It didn't come out this way first service. So whoever stayed the second service, you were smart because the sermon's coming out the way it's, it should come out. While you're silent, God is supernaturally working. He's supernaturally working on your family. Well, my kid's not here in church, but God's there with him. While you're silently looking at your life, God is supernaturally orchestrating something that only can happen by his hand and not by your hand. And we see God do this for Zechariah. Now, as the piano comes up, I want to give a few differences that I notice when Zechariah gets his promise from when Mary gets his promise, when she gets her promise. The angel of the Lord shows up to Mary, who's about 14, 15 years old, and tells her, Mary, I'm an angel. She's like, I can see that. I need to tell you something. You're going to have a baby. She says, how can this be? She isn't asking mean questions, a very qualifying question. Like, hey, don't got a baby. <laughs> how is this going to be? He's like, don't worry about that. God's going to do it. She didn't even understand what that meant. All she says after is, here I am. Your servant is listening. It, a 14-year-old girl heals, hears from an angel that you're going to have a baby, and how is this supposed to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to take, take over you. Here's the craziest thing. The Holy Spirit's never been mentioned up until this point. 
Mary has no idea what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit was something that Jesus promised his disciples. So when the angel is telling Mary at 15 years old that would only know about the Messiah, that would only know about the prophesied one, that would only know about the seed of David or the seed of Abraham, he's telling her with all her understanding something she does not understand. Says, how's it going to happen? The Holy Spirit going to show up. And she says, all right. God shows up to Zechariah, a priest, someone who knows God, someone who quotes scripture, someone who's been with the uh, other priests that walked into the Holy of Holies, that been at the temple. This is a man of God, and God shows up to a man of God and says, hey, you're going to have a baby. And instead of being like Mary saying how, he was different. He said, there's no way God can do it. He says, I'm too old. And my wife, you know, she advanced. <laughs> he was like, all right. But if you're old and she's advanced, how old is God? How old is he? He predates you. He'll be here after you. So if he says something to you, you probably should take him at his word. But sometimes our age limits our ability to have faith. Because Zachariah has been on this planet too long, let me say it this way, because Zachariah already experienced disappointment of waiting on God, it was easier for him not to believe what God was saying. You walk up to Mary, Mary, you're going to have a baby. They're young. If I tell anybody in this section they're going to be great, they're like, Whoa, I'm going to be great. Yeah, because you're a teenager. <laughs> you don't know bills yet. <laughs> You don't know applying for the job and not getting it yet. You don't know about hoping for something and not working out. You don't know about getting married and getting a divorce. You don't know about believing for a kid and experiencing mixed care. So, of course, you at your young age, you can say God at your word. But what about when you're old? What about when you've been walking with God for a while and somebody shows up to you and says, he's still working? What do you mean he's still working? No, God did not send an angel for you. Today, he sent an African-American. <laughs> he is not a giant. He is a midget, man. <laughs> hey, listen, but these boots give me some inches, y'all. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> Let Pastor Dave walk up on stage. You stay right there. I'm a little bit taller than you, a little bit. God did not send an angel. He sent me to tell you he's still working. While you've been worrying, he's working. While you've been waiting, he's working. And while you're working on preparation, he is working on the promise. And I came here to tell you that I know that there's 27, 28 days left for the end of the year. But what if you had the faith that you still believe that everything you were hoping for in January, you say, God, I still believe you can do it. Because there's something that God spoke to you. I came here simply to preach a sermon to add back into you the faith that life took from you. Because life took something from you. It took your passion, it took your joy, it took your perspective, it took your patience, it took your everything. And life took something from you. And I'm here today as a preacher, as a believer, just to tell you that he's still working. He is still working on your marriage. Oh God, I almost died. I almost died. Please tell me we got that on video. <laughs> I need to post that. I'm going to post that today. I should post something very prophetic. No, not today. Today, I'm going to give some people some joy. 
While you're waiting, he's working. He's working on your child. I was kicked out of the school district, not even wanting to follow the will of God at all, but every night something woke me up in the morning telling me, I have something for you, son. He's working, mom. He's working, dad. I know the marriage is not where you want it to be. I know that you're fighting a lot. I know there's some things that have come out that is probably ruining the marriage, but he's a faithful God. Let him work. Let him work. Well, I have nothing to say. Shh. Just you be quiet. So when he does it, only one person gets the credit for it. The Bible says that when Zechariah finally was able to talk, you know what he did? This man sees John that was born. They wanted to name him uh, Zechariah, but they were like, his wife was like, no, nah, that's an ugly name. We ain't doing that. We're going to name him John. <laughs> as soon as John was born, Zachary, Zachariah started speaking. And the Bible says that as soon as he started speaking, you know what he started doing? Blessing the Lord. He didn't say, thank you for my baby. He said, I'm going to bless the Lord. Because when you watch God do it, see, I, I'm young. I'm only 30 years old. I will not pretend to act like I'm old. But I have seen God do things in my life. And I've come to terms with he's a good God. Have I experienced it all the time? No, my brother was killed in a mass shooting with seven other of my family's members. But he's still a good God. My dad wasn't there, but he's still a good God. We didn't have everything like other people, but we still serve a good God. And I've come to my place in my life at 30 years old that any time I get the microphone, you know what I want to do before preaching, before impressing people at all? The thing I want to show people how to do is bless God because that's what Zachariah did. The baby came, and when he saw that baby, he thought of what God said, and right then and there, the Bible says he began to bless the Lord, saying, God, thank you. God, thank you. God, thank you. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for giving me the miracle. God, thank you. I just want to bless you. I just want to bless your name. I just want to say, God, I'm good. Can we have anybody in church that wants to give God a preemptive praise? Can you praise God before he even does it? Can you praise God before he even moves? Can you praise him because you know at his word he's a faithful God? I just need a few saints, not everybody, but I need a few people to say, God, I bless your name. I bless your name. I bless your name. God, you are faithful. You are good. You've been faithful to grandmama. You've been faithful to my mama, and you'll be faithful to me too. You were faithful to granddaddy. You were faithful to my daddy and you're going to be faithful to me too. You were faithful to the grandkids and the great-grandchildren, but God, would you be faithful to me too? We need to be a church that says, God, I praise you. God, I worship you. You are worthy to be praised. I know my situation is saying otherwise, but God, you are worthy. Let me just say this, church, he's working. He's working. Don't you grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. With everyone still standing, Eyes closed. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are a faithful God. And God, I pray for every person that's in this room that's waiting on a promise. God, I pray that you give them the courage to keep believing, to keep hoping, that even in the seats, they will sense your presence, God. We don't take it lightly what you did today and what you spoke to us today. God, we thank you and we love you. And if God's been faithful to you, can you give God just a shout of praise right where you are? Come on, church. Man, I, I just, I can't help but believe that that was a message for hundreds of people in this room. Come on, let me hear you. Is that a message that you need to hear this morning? Amen. You see what we did there? That was a little switch. I looked very similar to him. 
You see, this is exactly what Jesus came to do. Did he, he came to seek and to save the lost, yes. But you see, God didn't just stop at that point. You see, because Scripture tells us something very specifically. It says that he came to give us life, life more abundantly. And if you ever forget that you were put on this earth for a purpose, I want you to go back to Read the book of Zechariah. There's over, there's 50 plus promises that he gives to him, he gives to you, he gives to myself of, of this thing of why God put us on this earth. The book of the Bible is filled with promises for you and I, and I can't think of a better Christmas story for us to go into the month of December because life throws some tough things at us, does he not? But we serve a faithful God, Amen. All right, put your hands in front of you. Stay standing. Lord Jesus, thank you for an incredible word that just speaks directly to the hearts and minds of every single one of us. Father, we receive that word. Father, we internalize that word. And every single promise, dream, prayer, even the forgotten ones, Lord, Father, would you resurface them in our life? Lord, would we cling to the fact that you're a faithful God? You're the God who answers prayers. You're the God who never forgets us, never forsakes us. But God, you're the God that fulfills, that blesses, that overflows. And so, Father, this Christmas season, Lord, can this season represent that in a way that we may have never experienced before? Lord, will we see the miracle working hand of God in our life? If you receive that this morning, can I hear a big amen? Amen. Lord bless you guys. Thank you guys for coming. Merry Christmas. We can't wait to see you guys next week. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.